sent me over a bit of a run sheet here a bit of an almighty run sheet and I've got to tell you before we get into it I um didn't wake up on Saturday until the after the quaddy had started good <laughs> so you might have to you might have to carry me through a bit of this because I'd had a ungodly big night after the Broncos versus Storm and that makes complete sense, particularly after the performance of the Broncos. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. there was a few. There was, there was they had nothing on my performance. What was that? They had nothing on my performance. Yeah. <laughs> Where did you end up heading? Oh, I was just back to a couple of the boys' house. Oh, so was, okay. So you didn't go out to Caxton or anything like that. No, not after the game. No, we were at Caxton beforehand, and we went back to the boys' house for a while after. It was great. Yeah. Ended up being up, up to watch the um, – still up to watch the All Blacks versus France. Yeah, that was a good game. Yeah, it was great. I was more than happy to be up for that. Yeah. All right, so it was a big one for you, but that's easy. I can I can carry the ship until we get down to this week and then we can have discussions after that. Yeah, fantastic. I'm, yeah, we'll see, how, we'll see how we go. Now, um, so, in review, so what did, you, what did you have to think about Rose Hill? So I thought the track played up and in. I think we spoke about that as well on the pod last week. So it really kind of favoured those on speed or at least in the first half of the field. Again, Rose Hill has a tendency to do that. Is It wasn't a complete leader bias, but it certainly favoured those up on speed. And you didn't see many horses really run on and, and make up a huge amount of ground. But there was a couple of flashing lights that you did see really, um, I guess, kind of pushing through the line in that last two, 200, 100 metres. And what was the big race there on the weekend again? Uh, there wasn't really a big feature, but there was the group two run to the rows. That yeah, was yeah. the one that won by, won by Cylinder. Yeah. So that was probably your biggest race down there. And then you had um, Sunshine and Paris who won that race. Yeah. And Golden Mile won the tramway, I think it was. So there was a couple of group twos, but nothing nothing of significance. Yeah. And uh, Mooney Valley, what do you think of that? I like Mooney Valley. I think, again, it... it it played really fairly on the weekend because the rail was in the true position. So I think certainly leaders had their chances up front and then horses were running on. It still played in that kind of lanes four, five, and six where they seem to be the best ground to be in. So just keep an eye on, obviously, the the weather over the, the coming weeks leading up to any Mooney Valley meets because I still think with the way the track is, it's draining towards where the rail is. So as long as the rail's out, like, say, if the rail's out four or five metres, then back leaders. If the rail's into the true position, then start to back those horses that are probably off midfield or even the back markers. Yeah, okay. And how did our, our tips go? Yeah, so we did pretty, oh, I won't say shit ass, but it was definitely, we were due for a pretty poor weekend. We were quite unlucky with a few runners, and we'll touch on those. But yeah, we, we spent 41 and a half units and returned 24. I think the big bet on Globe wasn't ideal particularly with the horse pulling up with some, some significant issues that could derail its spring and potentially its career uh yeah that i, I saw that yeah 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 something wasn't right for the horse so i think it, it pulled up with cardiac arrhythmia so what that is is it's an essentially an irregular heartbeat now the big thing you've got to watch out for with those horses without because a lot of what you find with horses that do pull up with it quite often if they um, are rehabilitated appropriately, you'll find that they'll bounce out of it. And there's a really good stats on horses winning first up after coming off cardiac arrhythmia. So just keep an eye on him. But um, Mick, uh, Mick Price didn't seem too, um, too stoked with how he pulled up two, three days after it. So just um, be cautious with that because I know that they were looking to see what his troponin levels are like. Now, troponin is an enzyme within the blood that essentially detects heart damage so if your levels of troponin levels are really high after a, a cardiac event then it essentially means that your heart suffered some sort of damage so that would be a big issue for a horse like globe who needs his ticker to, to obviously be a racehorse yeah yeah for sure 
So I'll be trolling through the stewards and seeing any sort of reviews or vet follow-ups and stuff like that to see. But I'll back him again if he pulls up well because of those stats. But if he's got that troponin level elevation, the likelihood he'll probably be retired and won't race again. Yeah, well, that's disappointing for the owners. Yeah, 100%, considering the boom on the horse and, and everything like that. Like, there was a huge push for him late on Betfair. So I think about an hour out for the race, I saw 450. So I snapped that up quite quickly because that was kind of the all-in price that you saw for him when he it was kind of up in air whether he was going to make the field. Mm. And then by race time, I think he BSP'd around 3, 3.30. So it was really short. So the money came, and even the big syndicates saw him. So your yard watchers, your track and data guys would have jumped in at, at, at the same time. So... Really interesting to see that the money came and then obviously we saw that performance, which wasn't great. Yeah, and um, how good are you? Uh, yeah. One of the morals saluted. One of the morals did salute. It was a perfectly timed ride from Rachel King. Obviously, it would have been better having Timmy Clark on board, but she did a great job. She won the race mid uh, during the middle stages there and you could see those sectionals. They were so – she was just giving the horse a breather and then she kicked at the top of the straight and gave nothing else a chance. I know there were horses – Closing in on her, um, I know Mark S was the one, the, the Godolphin horse, which was the second favourite, was finishing up nicely, but the race was gone at that at that hundred metre mark because she was just she was just too far gone. Yeah, right now, Step RT, uh, yeah, another winner. Yeah, so we put we spoke about the three horses in that race, the three boom horses in Stepity, uh, uh, Brave Mead, and then Centrefire. Now Stepity was awesome, played with the track. It was a perfect ride from John Allen, so he kind of sat outside the speed got into the fast lane off off a slow tempo and just sprinted to the finish. So you obviously saw horses um, kind of closing in on him around that bend and probably in that first 100 metres at the top of the straight, but the race was gone then and, and he was getting it through his gears. And I thought Centrefire was very good. Now, he's a horse you can probably follow going up in trip, probably in this similar grade. Uh, Brave Mead missed the start, which is great. So you could probably forgive him for that run as well. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, one that I saw was, um, in Peritres. In Peritres, wasn't that enormous? Yeah, so we, that was impressive. That was really good. So, uh, actually, it actually broke the thousand meter track record there set by Nature Strip, which is very interesting. Wow. Yeah. Cause I wasn't sure how much of that was just maybe the other horses, uh, using poor tactics, um, and possibly just ruining the race for themselves, but it was actually just a, that impressive run. It was it was a super effort, and it's interesting to see the owners have turned down going to the Everest, despite probably every single slot holder sitting there and going, you know what, I'm, I, I want you, I want you as our slot horse um, yeah. to aim for spring races down right. in Melbourne. So they're going. I think they're going to. I'm not sure where they're going next, or whether they'll go straight to the Manicato and then the Champion Sprint on the last day of the Flemington Carnival but I'm not sure where the run is between, but potentially the Moya. Wait, you reckon it could run into Benedetta in the Manicato? Yeah, it could, which without sounding bad, I might have to not back Benedetta during that that run because what Imperatrice did over an unsuitable 1,000 metres was enormous. So It's I too late. I've long... already backed Benedetta in futures. That's right. We can, we can probably lay it back at a, at a decent price, particularly if she wins the Bobby Lewis this weekend. Yeah, right. Okay. So uh, NCAP broke through as well. NCAP finally broke its maiden now. we I said Tom Kitten. I thought it was a great chance in that run. Um, the wide barrier was the only concern. Now, as you saw, the the track did play to, to those probably like forward of midfield, I guess, or in that leading pack. Now, NCAP somehow jumped on even terms. It was a great ride from Brett Pebble, sprinted through um, in the finish and, and was huge. But I thought Tom Kitten was just as good, and I thought um, militarise is, was just enormous. mm yeah, well, what about Golden Mile? You've uh, Golden Mile, you've been mini- you've you've been one of his haters actually uh, over yeah, his career. I have been. Well, I've I actually backed him his first like three starts. So I backed him at his at his maiden and the and the next two starts. And I, I think I backed him in the Caulfield Caulfield Guineas as well, which he won at short odds. But I just don't think he's a top liner. And um, I think we spoke about the IME form, which I didn't really like, even though that race that it was in, it was impeded by, um, unfortunately, for big parade. But I just didn't think that the form lines read too well. And even at its next start, I thought it was quite flat. It was a really good ride from Zach Lloyd. And it was, he, he took up the running. He showed initiative and, and got in the first half of the field and led the race and won. It was, it was just really smart tactics from, from an apprentice showing much experience beyond his years. Yeah, okay. 
All right. Now, uh, horses to follow? So horses to follow. So there's a few. So I think the first one was the inevitable, which is in the Golden Mile race. Now, if you go back and watch that race, the horse was phenomenal. So he was right out back, hit a gap, and then clocked the fastest last six, four, and 200 metres of the meeting which was enormous. And I think he's heading towards a Epsom and I had a look at the weights and unfortunately, despite him not winning a group one, he's going to be carrying 55 kilos, which is a bit annoying. I thought he'd get a bit of a lower weight, but it's because he's performed so well in those kind of high rating races. Mm. So I've taken a really nice early price on him at the Epsom and I think he's into what, $18 now. Yeah. Okay. Is he from Tassie? Was that? Yeah, he's the Tassie horse. So he was originally with Scott Brunton, who's one of the best trainers down in Tassie. Now, he's been suspended for, I think, something to do with medications that he administered to some of his horses. So Tegan Keys has taken over the horse now, and she's done a wonderful job with him. Like, he was he was booked to run in uh, Memsey, you know, the race with, with uh, Brightside. But what happened is he couldn't get transport from Tasmania up to, to Victoria. Okay. Yeah, so he ended up running in that in that race at Rose Hill. So I thought he was enormous, and he the best late splits of, of the entire meeting, which was amazing. Yeah, okay. Uh, I thought El Bodegon. Now I know people are going to be laughing. What, what are you black booking a horse that's was probably started around eighty one to one in a in a race and finished what sixth or seventh? But I thought the horse is actually doing really well now. There's a few little things. I think, firstly, he loves his Melbourne leg. I don't think he's suited up in Sydney because we've never seen him really perform up there. But that third in a Cox plate is pretty phenomenal behind I'm um, oh, sorry, behind Animo, Thunderstruck, Brightside. Like, he, that's elite form lines. And I think if he strikes a wet deck coming through this spring, I think he'll be a real good chance. And I think we'll get a really good price about him as well. Okay, nice. That'd be, that'd be fantastic. Gold trip is good. Now, Gold Trip was awesome. I think every, no one, um, I don't think no one missed his run. So he was right out the back in that, in that I think, 1,700-metre race, carried the big weight and just rocketed through the line. So I think he copped, from my memory, I think he was in the top five last six, four, and 200 metres of the entire meeting. So for a stayer to resume like that, it wasn't a complete gut buster, unlike the last prep he had. I think he's right on track for the Melbourne Cup. And I think, from memory, what I heard... Uh, from Paulie, he's heading to the Turnbull, potentially the underworld, most likely the Turnbull into the Caulfield Cup and then into the Melbourne Cup. Okay, nice. Uh, we touched on Militarised, which uh, I think is the Caulfield Guineas. I think he has it at his own own mercy. Wetter the better for him. I thought Molly Nickers was really good in the Charm Stone race, which was the Atlantic Jewel. I thought he's heading in the right direction towards 1,000 Guineas. Um, attrition was really enormous in that globe race, which was the Fian. Uh, it was really unlucky, unfortunately, but I think it's a proper chance in the Underwood. So can you, do you have the futures up there for uh, the attrition in the Underwood? Um, I don't at the moment. Let me get them up. That's right. I think it's around the 15 to $20. So if you can get around $20 boosted or something like that, I'd be having just a little snippet on that. Cause I think the horse is flying. And I think it's going to be really suited up to 2,000 metres in, in the kind of the conditions of the Underwood. No, it's actually a lot shorter in futures for the Underwood. It's $6. Six bucks. So obviously, people have seen what, I, what I've seen and what, what plenty of other punters have obviously seen. So it's been snapped up. Because I, I remember hearing something about it being maybe $20 leading up to last weekend. So obviously, no one missed that run. Yeah, okay. And Nadal? And Nadal was really, really good in that in that race one by cylinder in the run to the rose. Uh, he clocked some really good late sectionals down there as well in in a in a race that was kind of dominated by those up on speed. And as you watch the race, cylinder kind of got the break in that last two hundred meters and accelerated through the line. Um, Nadal did all the work, missed the start, and he was just flying home. So he's one to follow, particularly up in trip. Okay, now Giga Kick. Uh, a lot of chat about the ride in that race. Yeah, so this is an interesting thing. So Clayton Douglas, who's the trainer of Giga Kick, his father has pretty much come out and said that he would have strangled Craig Williams after seeing the ride that he did on Giga Kick. Now, first of all, I think that's Wanker of the Week nomination for me because that's just not on. Like, yeah. you. Like, we know Craig Williams is one of the good guys in the racing community. He, he flew, he went over to the Ukraine during all of that turmoil and was donating all this stuff to, to the people affected by the war. So yeah. he's a good guy. He rides track work for Giga Kick. He would have been getting up at 2 a.m., doing all these things for that 
for Clayton Douglas and the horse. And for the father to come out and say that, like, it's just such a prick effort, for one. Two, he didn't, like, go back and look at the data. Like, he's obviously the horse has had a blow after it. I get that. But go back and look at the data. Giga Kicks, that's his arguably his best first up figure of the last three preps, which is interesting. So you go back and watch, like, he had that first up run behind Bournemouth's Not Chess. Remember how he um, just got over the top of him down the Flemington Strait this time last year? Yeah. And then he had that huge run in, I think it was one of the, I can't remember, it was 1,100-meter race. Remember how he clocked the fastest last 600 of the race and everyone was like, well, the TJ Smith's his? Yeah. So funnily enough, the figure that he put up in Mooney Valley on Saturday was actually just as good. So... One would suggest he's he's just gone to the same exact figure, had the same exact sort of run as he's had the last two preps. So I don't yeah. think you could you can sack first of all sack Craig Williams for that because I know that there's calls. Uh, well, Clayton Douglas's father's made calls for for Craig to be sacked off it. I wouldn't be sacking him because they'll pay the price for it. Yeah, I mean, potentially just ran into an absolute freak too. Well, that's the thing is Imperatrice could have just gone to another level this prep. And, yes, I think Craig comes back and saying, I probably could have ridden the horse a little bit different. But, again, you got to remember, this is first up. His his end target is the Everest. We know that. And maybe the champion sprint down the straight if he, if he comes out of it well. Like, you don't want to be winning these group twos. You're not winks. You don't have to break some or keep some sort of perfect record alive. So I would be – I'd be forgiving Giga kick off that, and I thought he was still quite good. Oh, yeah, it's just not – Mooney Valley's just not the kind of track I expect him to win at when he's versus another yeah. really good horses as well. That's exactly right. And obviously we spoke about saying that – Oh, we laid him. We, yeah, exactly. We we thought laying him because of because of the exact reason. And we, we had the Cornella, funnily enough, as our quarter. There you go. We know what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Cylinder, you, you don't think he'll win another race this prep? No, I don't. And I think he's heading towards the Golden Rose, and God forbid if Godolphin consider him for an Everest slot, but I think in secret will get that. Um, I just don't think he's turned into the three-year-old everyone expected him to be. Now, he beat up on, if you go back and look at that field that he won in the run to the Rose, it, it was nothing. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't think, I think if you if Shinzo's come back, if um, Charm Stone comes up, which is it's sounding like, I think they're better horses than than him, and I I just don't think he can run out of strong fourteen hundred meters. And I need a Nash special on the weekend just to beat that kind of B grade group of three year olds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Nash the Nash special will do it. Yeah, exactly right. Now let's go to Flemington this weekend, shall we? Let's do it. I love the car. I love that we're back at Randwick and we're back at Flemington. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I just get my notes up. All right, so with Flemington, the rail's in the true position. Now we've got fine weather, which is fantastic. Now, I think because it's so good with Flemington, they give you the historical data with the rails position. So overall in the last, I think, 30 meetings, 39% of one from on speed in the rail in this position, 21 and a half of one for midfield, and just over 39% have one from the back. So one would suggest it's even. Now I went back and looked at the last two meetings here and the meetings this time last year. So the, the last two meetings, one was in July, it was very on-pace dominated with 56% of the winners coming from there and then 22% from mid to back. But then you go back and look at the um, the one just before it in July, I think it was in June, it was the polar opposite where 22% had come from the lead and 56 had come from the back and or uh, had come from the back. So interesting to see. So I think it's going to race fairly on the weekend. We know that um, O'Keefe is one of the best track managers in the world. So I think it'll be really nice for us. Excellent. I can't wait. So let's start at race two. So race two. So this is a 2,500 meter handicap for a lot of what we call Melbourne Cup hopeful. So these horses are all trying to get essentially their handicap rating up so they can actually enter into the Melbourne Cup and qualify for the field. All right, so they're not relying essentially on on certain horses to withdraw or anything like that. So I'll start at the top of the market. Now, there's a lot of good horses in this race, and you can see that, like, as as you look, it's it's two sixty for for the short price favorite in Shea, but then you've got probably five bucks for for a few horses, all the Ma Eustace horses, I think, closely, and then you've got a couple of horses that are kind of coming out of out of the woodwork, which with uncharacteristic form lines. 
So with Shay Ha, so the horse was enormous back in uh, in the 5th of August here at Flemington over the 2,000 metres. So it carried the huge weight. Uh, had Blake Shin on board and won by about five lengths. Now, it didn't beat a whole lot, but it was it was really amazing to see a horse do that over 60 with 61.5 kilos after have being freshened up uh, off 49 days. So it's had a really nice trial at Cranbourne over the 15.50 in prep for this and gets Jamie Carr. Now, I don't mind the barrier and barrier 10 because I think the horse can kind of blend in um, wherever it needs to be and probably sit just off midfield out of any kind of trouble. You've then got Serpentine, who is the Gaybot horse. Uh, we know what that horse is going to do. It's going to roll forward. And I thought it was really good in the in the Tats Cup. Uh, which was uh, won by uh, Athabasan, I think it was a John O'Shea horse. Now Serpentine stuck on, he led the horses, uh, led the race up and won, and stuck on really well for second to go down by two and a half lengths, but there was a one and a half bit, uh, gap back to Verona. Uh, you've then got Interpretation, who gets Mark Zara now. He's one of three runners for Mar, for Mar Eustace. Now they obviously are traditionally one of the better staying stables going around. The wide barrier is interesting for him. So, uh, I'm, I'm I'm intrigued to see where he ends up in the map. And obviously Zara on board is one of the best riders in Melbourne at the present moment. So I think he can navigate it really well. We've then got United Nations. So that's uh, made of ours horse and Paulie's horse. Um, I said last time round, we black booked him after his uh, run behind Duke of Hastings. Yep. The Duke of Hastings came out and ran last week. I think he ran second. So the form lines are holding up. Now, he drops a huge nine kilos off that run. Now, Zara, unfortunately, can't ride him. So you had to, they had to get a lightweight jockey in Craig Williams. So I know that I threw out Michael D there, but I think he may have been already committed to Queen Takes King, which is the other Mar Eustace runner. Yeah, okay. It's a pretty uh, decent squad. It's actually a decent race. Now, I don't have any edge in this race, but I'm... I'm Pretty keen for uh, to just to watch a few of them go around because some of them might be lightweight chances in our Melbourne Cup moving forward. But I think if the ones that I would be keeping an eye on would be Shayar uh, Interpretation, United Nation, this Alumbra lad from Patrick Payne. Just keep an eye on those guys because I think they're they're all good horses and they could sneak into the uh, Melbourne Cup field. Okay, nice. Now race four. Now, race four down, this is a really, really good race. So this is this is called the Poseidon. So this is listed race for Colts and Geldings, three-year-olds. So this is one of the main leads up to the Coolmore Stud Stakes, which is that straight race for um, three-year-olds on Derby Day. So you'll see a lot of horses here that are usually stallions or Colts, sorry, um, because this is a big stallion-making race, kind of like the Golden Roses for three-year-olds uh, up in Sydney. So I know you and I have always had an opinion of King's Gambit. Mm. So he was enormous. We backed him in the Golden Slipper, and he finished off so well despite sweating up in the yard. I thought he he raced really well and and only got only got beaten by two and a half lengths despite Shinzo and Cylinder both having better runs. So I think he's the one. He's trialed up like an absolute rocket, and he's a bit of a, a first up specialist. So. When he debuted, he won by five lengths in the debutant stakes there at Caulfield, and then that shot him through to um, essentially Golden Slipper favoritism for a long time. We've no, then got no, I am um, yeah. unstoppable. Yeah, sorry, you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say I'm interested to see this I am unstoppable go around again. Yeah, so I am unstoppable is the other one. So he brings that vein form. Now we spoke about that with Cylinder and how, despite it visually being unimpressive. The, the, the race is rated really well. And if you're looking at it from a form perspective, Cylinder won last week. So that's a really good sign. Yeah. It's just the straight track factor and whether he can handle it or not. True. It's always a, always a factor. Yeah. And then you've got this Pivot City. So I know Mick Price and Michael Kent Jr. have a really good opinion of the horse. So he debuted back at over the 1,000 metres in August there at Bendigo uh, with Ethan Brown on board. Now, he won by that by five lengths and the time was enormous for a horse on debut. He then went to the trials there at Cranbourne in September in prep for this only a week ago. And he looked really nice there as well. Now he's one of the ones that's drawn out, which will probably be more beneficial coming down the straight here. So I'd be keeping an eye on him. Mm. And the other horse that really interests me is this Mahaba. Yeah. Okay. So I've said to you guys, I spoke to you guys about this before, when Graham Begg being one of the most underrated trainers in Victoria and probably Australia for that matter. Yeah, Beggy. Now the horse, yeah, 
I'm a big fan of his. He just he does a really good job with a very small stable. So this horse um, has been really good. He's run fourth in a in a golden gift behind Barber um, and Summer Loving, who we'll talk about up up here in in Sydney. He then went down the Flemington straight of the 1100 meters and won very easily, beating Hell Queen and and not much else. But he put up a really good figure and he was backed in really hard. He then went to the Pago Pago and only went down by one and a half lengths to Shinzo. Now we know what that is. Shinzo form is arguably the best two-year-old form coming out because it went on to win the Slipper. And then you could probably forgive him for his run in the size produce where I just don't think he handled that heavy going. Yeah, this is a really great looking race. It's a really good race. And it's I don't have really have an edge, but I know that King's Gambit, if he wins this, it wouldn't surprise me to see someone put their hand up and say, you know what, do you want to be my three-year-old in the Everest? Because we know three-year-olds have a great record there. Yeah, okay. Look forward to that one too. Now let's go to the start of the Quaddy Race 7. Race seven. So this is a Mike Davis stage. Now it's a small field, but isn't it a nifty looking field? Oh yeah. So you know what? With these smaller fields, I always am intrigued by the speed maps and what end of what end. Like I guess what eventuates. Now, if you look at this purely from a speed map perspective, you'd suggest that from barrier four, you're going to see Alligator Blood roll forward, aren't you? You probably have him rolling forward. You probably have Princess Grace just outside him and then probably Mr. Brightside and maybe Aegon um, just parked in behind them. So I think this is going to be a real tactical affair moving forward. Now, if you look at Mr. Brightside, can you fault him? Probably not. He had the wide barrier against him last start in the Memsey and he overcame that. Um, He was enormous first up in that PB Lawrence where he probably was vulnerable being first up. You then got Alligator Blood, who I thought was very good in that Memsey. Um, I thought Mr. Brightside had the better of him. And then you had, uh, he's got a wonderful track record at Flemington, by the way. So he's had four starts to three wins in a second. And then uh, he's got a really good second up record as well. Now, he did actually almost win last year's. Remember, we backed him in last year's race and he got nabbed in the last drive by on Thunderstruck. Yep. Yeah, so I thought he's a really good chance. And I think we've spoken about Princess Grace and she's been in our black book since that first up run. So I think she'll be really good. Keeps Blake Shin. She's drawn, actually, I don't mind her drawn out there because I think she'll just park off Alligator Blood. It's just whether or not um, Oliver will ride him well and get his, his way up front and kick on the bend. Jeez, so, that's a weird booking for Alligator Blood. Oliver. I know, I know. But he rode him last start after. Remember how Tim Clark came down during the midweeks and yeah. then Oliver was the late replacement. So I think they just go, all right, well, he rode him last start. He rode him well last start. Let's just keep him on. Yeah. I wouldn't be doing it myself. But anyway, yeah. um, it really interested to see Princess Grace in this. I I think she's I think she's good. I just don't know if she's as good as Brightside, but God. I, I know. I, I feel like she could win a race this prep. Yeah, so do I. I think she's in. I, I, th- I still think she's a great chance in the Empire Rose when she races against her own sex. But let's just wait and see what, what Walla has in store because who knows? She might even go to an Epsom. Who knows? Yeah. So. Brightside, the way he's racing, is going to be hard to beat in a field this big, I reckon. 100%. And I think Craig Williams will be hungry. He's one of his favourite horses. Like, if you if if you want to be risky, I would just be going one in your quaddy. But if you want to just play the straight bat and make sure you get through the set um to the second leg, I'd just be going one two seven. Yep, for sure. Now, uh, race eight. Now, race eight. So oh. this is the let the light. Now, have a look at this. Now, I'm really intrigued to get your thoughts on this before I go into it. Well, look, I'm just really excited to see Amelia's jewel over here. Yeah, I've been waiting for this for uh, for a while, and looking at this field, it looks like an easy kill. Do you reckon? Like, are you worried about her first up over fourteen hundred meters? Nah, and I actually think the outside barrier is going to suit her as well. And I think, yeah, so, I think she'll love that's Flemington. My next concern is the barrier fifteen. I just think you just got to ride a cold. And do you reckon just she'll loop him around, loop him up? Should I yeah. use that whole straight and just loop him? I reckon Flemington's the perfect track for her to do that. Yeah, you're See, you're worried about it. I am worried about her because I know that one, this isn't her grand final. They, like they don't want to kill her off with this. She's yeah. been aiming for for much bigger fish. I'm not sure whether she's going to the Golden Eagle. Like they re- they have Simon Miller's been really 
kind of flaky with it, whether going the Golden Eagle, whether they go the King Charles, or whether they're even going down the road of a, a Cox Plate. Now, I have no doubts in her ability. I'm not questioning that at all. I'm just concerned about how this race sets up for her first start. Yeah, I just feel like if she is getting better, which is every chance she is as she gets older, because um, she's still young, she could be like yeah. hitting her like peak. I uh, I just think she fucking probably kills these things in second gear. Yeah. What do you think of the, of the chances of knocking her off? So how I look at this race, so if we go back to look at Pride of Jenny, so Pride of Jenny's are going to be our likely leader in this race. So go back to her form last, um, back in March, where she was running the, the Group 1 Coolmore. There was one by Espiona. Now, you go back and look at her run in that race. Now, she led them up an absolute breakneck speed. She was nine le- levels of bump benchmark, and that was against her own sex. Now, I think she's be, she's going to be wound up ready to go. I think Taurazine can also roll forward along with Sparkle, and I think they're going to set quite a decent pace up. Mm. So I'm worried that she um, – my concern for Amelia's duel with that barrier, is she going to be too far back and they're going to be strung out so far that she just won't be able to rope them in? Yeah. That's my only concern, and that just and just that barrier and everything like that. So, yeah. Okay. So, what so, are you thinking for the quaddie? So, there's two horses that I there's three horses that I would be putting in the in the quaddie in addition to Amelia's Jewel because I don't want to be getting knocked out by her. But we've got Cast, who's number four in this race. So. The horse has been going through its grades really nicely and actually was undefeated last um, last prep. So it won a BM64 there at, at Sandown. It then went to a listed race there at Morfittville, being Royal Merchant, who ended up running in a, in a Group 1. And then I think it won a Group 1, actually, up here in Queensland, potentially. And then it went to the Group 2 Queen of the South, beating Foxy Frieda, who's also in this race. So the horse has been going through its grades really nicely, so I would be including it. I also really like wrote to Arataki, who we've got in the black book. Now, she was enormous behind Benedetta and uh, Parasal in, in that race there at um, in the Cochrane. Yep. So she maps to stalk that breakneck speed from Pride of Jenny Chorogene and, and Sparkle. So I think she's certainly in it. And I don't mind putting Pride of Jenny in there in case she just gets her way up front, kicks on the bend and just and just takes them on. So I'd be putting one, four, six, and twelve as my quaddy. Interesting. Interesting, Wade. Um, so should we go to race nine? We go to race nine. Oh, okay, here we go. Benedetta, geez, getting above two dollars for her. What do you think of her in this field? So this is obviously another step up in grabbing. She keeps stepping up, but I think this is certainly our hardest hardest test to date. Now, I think there's only two winning chances, in my opinion, in this race, because I think Benedetta and Star Patrol have both drawn out, which is ideal. So they've drawn the widest barriers. So if they, if Benedetta drawn one, I'd probably be less keen on her. But the fact she's drawn out, I'm, I'm really keen on. She gets a really good weight advantage over a horse like, say, King of Sparta mm-hmm. and Zutori's Star Tontas and all those guys. And she's just – she's a good horse, as we always speak about. Now – She's got a great Flemington record. We know. Remember that day that she she won down the Flemington straight there, and the, I think it was the Sunlight Classic. She blitzed them. Now she put on a real. I'm not sorry. It was the English Sprint where she won by about three lengths. She then went to the Sun uh, Sunlight Classic and was beaten by the barrier. So I think she's handled the Flemington straight. She's three from three at the track and trip. Uh, at the sorry, at the distance, and then three to uh, three starts for two wins and a third at the track. So she really likes Flemington, so it suits her. The only other horse who I think can win this is Star Patrol. Yeah, okay. Now Star now, Patrol is this, stri- he, is this a straight race? This is a straight race. Okay. Yeah. Now he's trialed really nicely. He had a really nice trial there at um, Cranbourne on the fourth of September, which he won by about five and a half lengths. Now Ben Mellon rode him that day and the trial, and he's riding him today. Horses drawn out, and if you go back and look through his form lines, he's got some great form lines. He started sixteen bucks in a, a new market behind in secret. He then finished one only two lengths off Uncommon James and Asphora Lofty Strike in that um, Oakley Plate, and 
If you go and look at his figures there, when he won by seven lengths down the Flemington Strait, he clocked an unbelievable time sub 109. So he clocked a 108, which is very, very quick for a horse. So he's got the figure that could beat Benedetta. But I think with the lightweight on both of them, I think if you're looking at it from the quality perspective, just go five and eight. Okay, nice. Like a look at this. Now race 10. Now race 10. So we've... This is a hard race. So I think there's only two chances in this race, and they're both in the market. Now, we touched on Amenable and that race there at Caulfield, which has just delivered winners after winners. So it was the race back in um, on the 19th of August. Amenable won it. Devoted ran second. Carini ran third. All right? So there's been winners out of this galore. So Dubai Poet, who was three and a half lengths off Amenable, uh, won on Wednesday and won by about one and a half lengths. And then you had Ain't No Deal Done, who won like a $2 pop on at Mooney Valley last Saturday. So it's an extremely good form race. The only concern I have is we I wanted to see Karini here, but I've seen Devoted uh, pop up. And the interesting thing is I'm not sure if Blake Shin can ride 53 kilos, or as in, and he, as in he's jumped off Karini to jump on Devoted. Because yeah. um, I'm not sure since he's come back from Hong Kong, I'm not sure what weights his, his, his minimums are. But either way, I don't think you're going to lose anything with uh, Michael D on board. No, not at all. So, so what, racing two, yeah, yeah, ten and sixteen. I think ten and sixteen. Okay, interesting. So yeah, that yeah. does kind of open you up a bit to go a bit wider in that race eight, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly right. All right, cool. So should we go to Randwick? Let's go to Randwick. So Randwick. The rails are out seven metres. So this is a really good note for anyone who's who's backing horses now. Traditionally, Randwick uh, racing with the rail in this position favours those on speed or those more forward in run. All right? So be very cautious with those first few races and keep an eye on it. Um, I know the listeners probably are sick of me saying, uh, watch the races, blah, 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 blah. But you need to. If you actually want to try and win money and you're not betting with your heart, you're betting with your head, this is how you got to do it. You get better, got to bet on race day and look at race shape, look at patterns, and look at all those sorts of things. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So race three here. Yeah, so we've got a black booker in this race. In I think, oh, let's see if you can do it first. So let's go race three. Karen McAvoy's uh, mount. Now I've got a black booker in this, but it's mystery shot, <laughs> and it's been in the black book probably for about four years. So we'll ignore that one. Well, mate, he when we were at the at the pub there at um at Kingscliff, he placed, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. He ran third. <laughs> He's a there dog. You, go. you don't, don't don't just ignore him. But um, yeah. <laughs> Gan Gan Yeah, I, I, I was going to run with Gan Turan. Yeah, I like that. Turan. Yeah. yeah. So we put. I thought the horse was very good over the mile that ran with a BM BM ninety four. Now, if you go back and watch the replay, he ran into a shit ton of in- interference, uh, interference, sorry, and then he kind of finished off really nicely, but under a real kind of easy riding, like he wasn't really tested at all. So I really liked the run. The problem is he loses the informed Zach Lloyd, and he gains Kieran McAvoy. Indeed. Now he's still not Voldemort to me because he hasn't cost me any races, probably because I've been backing him. Yeah. But he's still riding atrociously with his form. Like, I think he's won from, like, his last 114 at Metro level or something like that. Like, it's atrocious form. So I don't want to be backing this horse, but I think it's the horse to beat in this race. Yeah, okay. What do you think about Straight Acer? Straight Ace is a great horse. Edwin Cummings, he won a midway, though, but it did win a strong midway. So won a midway by, uh, I think it was a BM72, won, won very nicely. Didn't exactly beat a whole lot, but it did it really nicely. Okay, so, so I can see why I can see why it's favoured. Yeah, Glint of Silver goes alright too. Yeah, Glint of Silver is, is a good horse. Uh, it only came within a length of Veronelli political debate. It was actually beaten by your horse, Mystery Shot, last start. That was that race we were speaking about. Mm, mystery Shot, yeah. So, so yeah, I I find it I find it really interesting race to to tip into anything into purely for the fact that I was hoping Nash would take the ride on on Garn, not uh, not K Mac. Yeah okay, okay. So yeah, maybe maybe K Mac, maybe not. Yeah, I I won't be betting. 
because he's on my life ban list. So, yeah, yeah. of course. So, uh, race five. So race five is the Kingston Town over 2,000 metres. So this is one of the traditional lead-up races to the Metrop, which is a 2,400-metre race. Um, now, it's, a, it's it's actually got some really good horses in it, and I think there's a bit of a gap in the market because I want to I want to take on Montefilia in this race. What did you think of its last run? Oh, I thought it was flat. Mm, same. I was I was like it's like its first up run there, but behind Fangirl was enormous. It clocked some really good sectionals, but then you went back and watched its race there in the Chelmsford, and it was really quite poor. And I had J Mac on board as well. Yeah, got back into three dollar favourite for the race, and then it's lost by two and a half lengths. Yeah, it was disappointing. Like it's, like it's been beaten by um, it's been beaten by Hu Yamal, who is a three thousand two hundred meter ra- uh, horse. It's crossed the line not far from Manzois, who won't get warm until after 2,400 metres. So it just looks junk at the moment. And, and I'm, I'd am i be I'd be willing to lay it if it, if, it, if it shortens. Yep, okay. There's a few chances in this. Yeah, it's a huge chance. So we'll touch, I reckon we touch on market order. So Just Fine was really, really good first up um, over the mile here at Randwick in a BM94. Now, it actually beat a horse that we've got a really good opinion of in um, Tazarel and beat Garn uh, Torian as well, the one we spoke about in the last race. So I guess we're going to get a really good guide with how well the horse is going by watching the previous uh, race. Oh, sorry, the race three there. Yeah. So... Keep an eye on it. It's best figures in the UK have come over this trip, so the trip's going to be no issues. It's by See the Stars, who's widely regarded as one of the greatest racehorses of all time, who's a really good stallion as well. So I have the horse. Um, the barrier's a little bit sticky for it. Because yeah. I have, I like, obviously you look at it, you've got the two Gaybot horses there in Knight's Order and Major Beal. You can't really, well, obviously in Just Fine, but you've got the other two. You can't really see... Knight's order being crossed, can you, from Barry 11? Like, he's a bit of a control freak and loves to lead up races. And Major Bill has done the same from, will probably kick up from Barry 6. Yeah. So it's an interesting map for the horse. So I have it actually sitting two pairs back off the fence behind Major Bill and Knight's order there. Yeah, I don't mind Boy DR Gent at a $26 price. I think it's been racing pretty well. Yeah, but, well, it's, it's also down to run in the Newcastle Cup tomorrow. So you've okay. got to wait and see what happens with it, which is annoying. Like, I hate that. Like, surely Annabelle Nisham knows where which race she's going from. So just scratch it and stop, like, annoying us with this. Yeah. And, it, yeah. It doesn't take to the day before to pick the race, surely. I know. But the thing is, she's, she's, she's scratched King Frankel from this, the Newcastle Cup tomorrow, which is a horse I was quite keen on. So... I don't know. I'm 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 going to go with it going to the Newcastle Cup, so I don't think it'll run in this race. Okay, that's just where I that's where I think it'll go because I think it's a better winning chance in that in that race there on on tomorrow at Newcastle. Yeah, gotcha. How do you think Tazarel will go in this? Oh well, Tazarel's not in the field yet, so oh, it's an, okay. it's a it's an emergency. I think if it gets a run, it's a ripping chance if the track is playing fairly. Because I thought he was enormous behind just um just red last uh just fine sorry la- last start really finishing off well and does get um a bit I I, I think he'll be better suited up to that two thousand meters so and he's going to get the good deck but it's whether or not he's going to get in the field is a different story. Okay, cool. Any others in there you like? And then you've got Major Beal, who surprised me in that Chelmsford, as did Navarro Peak, who cost us the quaddy. Oh. Um, both were really good in that Chelmsford. Now, they beat some very good horses, like Think It Over, Lindemann, Montefilia, who we spoke about, Duaes, Muwanga. Like, these are proper Group 1 horses, and these these horses have done really well. Now, Major Beal gets Josh Parstill, who I still think is one of the most underrated jockeys in Sydney. And then you've got um, Navarro Peak, who can, you probably can't discount either now i just don't get how montefilly is 460 and those two are 650 and nine dollars after fair and square beating it last start yeah and i'd be happy to lay montefilly oh if if she shortens some way shape or form i'll be launching into that lay because i just don't think she can win yeah okay now Now, there's one other horse i'd want to touch on that uh, would be man's voice because you look at the jockey booking 
Yeah. So if there's a, yeah, if there's, a, like if there's a jockey to get get our boy Manzoist up and about before under 2,500 metres, it's, it's, it's Nash. Oh, I'm going to have something on just because of that. Probably have to, don't we? Just yeah. for, just for just for old times' sake, twenties and fives. Why not? Nash on board couldn't could not hurt. Yeah, exactly. Now race six. You think Komochi can get it done this time? Yeah. So this is I I spent a lot of time on this race today when I was doing doing the I guess the analysis for this for this podcast, and I still am no closer to to locking in a selection. Okay. So. This is the second leg of that um, that princess series which we spoke about. So the T rose 1400 meters at Randwick. Now, wonderful thing is Komachi finally steps up in trip because I think she's better suited over the 1400 meters and maybe even the mile depending on how well she goes today. So I think she's a great starting point. So if you were on last start like we were, we had our right to be filthy. She was just too far back, and then she absolutely rocketed through the line. It could only go down by a small margin there to to Tiz Invincible, who just got an absolute peach there from from Zach Lloyd. So the good thing is, I think stepping up to fourteen hundred meters is a big tick. I just hope Jason Collette can get her a little bit closer in run from barrier five and not have her just out the back so far. Yep. So that's my concern. So the horses I have, I have a uh, tropical, uh, tropical squall leading there from Barrier 12 with Autumn Ballet, Nantucket Island, both quite close up. And then Summer Loving, not far behind with Platinum Jubilee. So essentially all your gay bot horses are heading forward. Now, we've spoken about Tiz Invincible and Komachi. Now, Tropical Squall was uh, comes through different form lines to those other horses. So... She raced in a Phillies and Mares BM72 uh, against the open Phillies and Mares, and she put them to the sword quite easily over the 1,400 metres there at the Kensington track. So the good thing is she's got the 1,400-metre run under her belt. She gets Adam Hieronymus, who's absolutely riding like a demon at the moment. Uh, he's actually knows the horse very well, so he trolled her uh, – Trolled her and raced her in all of her starts bar the start last, which was uh, raced by Rachel King. There was huge market support for her. So I think she's an absolute knockout chance there around the six buck mark. Yeah, righto. I think Summer Loving is very underrated as well because she was one of the unlucky runners in that silver shadow and she actually clocked some very, very good sectionals coming home. And she gets Rachel King now. And then we've got, obviously, Tuta La Vida, who's a horse we have an opinion of, but I just don't think it's going as well. A few chances for Gay. Yeah, and I think the knockout hope at absolutely ridiculous odds is French Endeavour. Yeah, okay. We had a rip, won a Class 1, a Phillies and Mare Class 1 there uh, at Hawkesbury on the 2nd of September, won it very, very stylishly and was backed in. Uh, to win that race. So I think she's a knockout chance as well. So as you can see, I'd, I've really struggled. Like I, I after watching Komachi's run last start, I was like, yeah, I'm going to back her in that in that T-Rose. But after doing this race more and more and more, it's just grayed me up. And I'm likelihood probably not going to have a bet just because of those dip, different form lines. But if you're putting a gun to my head, I think Tropical Squall will be the winner. Okay. All right. So race seven. So race seven. So this is the first leg of the quaddie, and this is that new race called the Seven Stakes. Now it's worth a million dollars. How crazy is that? Right. Has it never been run before? No. So this was. I think it's been replaced by. Um, I think it's replaced. Remember the George Main, mm. which is a race won by Winks. I think four or five times. So I think they've replaced it now and put this mile race. Now I'm intrigued to see what Peter Volandis is doing here because. You've got quite a few good mile races already. Now, they've just introduced this King Charles. They've got the Epsom. So, I don't know, it's a bit weird having it in here, but it, it's drawn a really, really good field, which is which is good. Yeah, geez, fangirl's going good. She is, but have a look at the jockey, have a look at the booking, and have a look at the, the, the rail position. Yeah, I think why, they're the three things. Why, why does he get the ride? <laughs> I know. I know, I know, I know. You had J-Mac on it last time. Like, what a fucking downgrade. Like, like, honestly, I would have preferred... Why didn't Dil, Why didn't they offer it to Dylan Gibbons or even Brett Preble for crying out loud? Like, yeah. Karen McBoy rode Hinge last start. He should have stayed on it and someone else should have got on. Oh, ridiculous. 
So how I look at this race, there is no other horse outside of Zaki who's going to lead up this field. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. So I think on a speed map perspective, that's the best chance. You get Chad Schofield on. Now, Chad is riding, again, very much like Josh Parr in very underrated in what they do because J-Mac and, and all those guys seem to get the get the accolades because they, they win good races. But these guys always ride your horses to the best of their ability. They always will go above and beyond for you, and they just don't get recognised because they're always on, on long shots. So I think Zaki will lead up this field from Barry 6, and maybe Zach Lloyd might kick up from Barry 11 on Pericles and try and sit outside and do what he did last start and try and try and win from the front. So I think Zaki's a ripping chance. Now, think about it was really good in that Chelmsford, and I thought he was actually going to get Navarro Peak and Major Beal, but he just peaked on his run. Now, from all your yard watchers out there, everyone is saying that the horse is just looking better and better with each run. So it wouldn't surprise me to to see him met with some market support because he's, what, 5, 5.50 now. He was really good there. Nash sticks, barrier two, barrier, I guess, draws to stalk the speed. Uh, like I spoke about with Pericles, going really, really well. But what did it really beat up in that in that tramway? Now, Skyman hasn't really – well, hoping your heart was good. Zarek goes around later. Alencius failed. My Oberon was good. Um, so I'm just worried about what the horse is beaten up on and whether it can make that step to genuine weight for age against the big boys. Yeah, um, I can I think tell he, you one thing. I won't be back in Zaki. You won't? <laughs> so no Zaki and no fangirl for you. I'll be laying Zaki. I don't think I can lay fangirl just because I oh. am a big fan, but I um, I just can't back these horses, these guns, when they get to like nine years old and they start showing cracks at chinks yeah. in the armor i just i just i, I just sack them when they get to that age i um i i can completely sympathize that i understand where your head's at with that yeah and, and look it's bitten me in the ass many a times before yeah with eduardo and whatnot but yeah that's just that's just my philosophy on those sort of horses when they get that old i reckon yeah and and i i could definitely agree with you on that now the horse that i think is the huge smoky for us is this who yeah okay now, again, I found Hippo. I don't know. I must, I must be drawn to him today or anything like that. But the horse was enormous first up. Now, we spoke about that 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 Chelmsford there with, with Nabarro Peak and Major Bill winning, think it over. But he beat home Montefilia, almost knocked off Lindemann and wasn't that far off, think it, uh, think it over. Now, he's one second up before. Um, he's racing really well, and he did have that boom horse. So maybe he's just settled in. Um, I don't know. Yeah, had a lot of trials into that first up run. Yeah, they weren't bad. So the, the horse actually had five trials leading up to it. So obviously we're trying to get him really fit and kick him off over the, the 1,400 metres. So J-Mac rode two of them, Brett Preble and then Tim Clark, and then Nash actually ended up riding one as well. Yeah. So I thought he was really good first up. So he's one I'd be including in my quaddie if you if you, if you you want to go it. Uh, Zayrek, obviously, we know that. Uh, and then my Oberon, who Barnes obviously pushed me into, was great first up with some great... Um, Great sectionals home. I just have slight concerns with his map and obviously that that good potential good four, maybe even a good three deck. Yeah, I like him as well. I Yeah, I don't mind going a bit wide in this. So in terms of con- if conservative quaddies, I'd, my personal one would be this is 12789 as a conservative quaddie. If you're going for, a, going for the throat, I'd be going one two. And seven. Okay. Now, race eight, the Toyota Forklift Shorts. Now, give now give me your honest opinion this because I am I am very very bullish about my selection in this race, and it's probably my best bet of the Randwick card. Really? Now, there's a couple of things I like here. Yeah. And. Well, there's three actually. It's Remark, Buenos Notches, and In Secret. Okay, and not one of them is my selection. Right. What do you like? So I think this is the best bet on the Randwick card is Overpass. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. So I'll justify my case, and obviously I'll touch on the other horses, but I'll I'll, I'll poke chinks into them. So the first thing I have here is Barrier One Overpass. 
awesome. He's going to lead this field up with ease. There's not a huge amount of pressure that I can see here. Obviously, in secret can sit handy, as can Ramar. Kawhi Fova was actually sat handy and run before, as has lost running. But Mazu and Athelric are out back. And again, they don't want gut busters. So that's my third series. I think he's got the huge map advantage of everyone, particularly with this rail out um, uh, seven metres. Now, go back and look at his form. So just recently, he raced, obviously, prior to that, he was gelded. So just remember that he was gelded in, in March this year. Now, they took him over for the Quokka, which is a 1,200-metre race there at Ascot, and have a look at the result there. Yeah, he's I come with. It. He knocked off Amelia's Jewel. Now, Amelia's Jewel is probably, in my opinion, again, this is me just thinking with my head, she's probably in the top five horses in Australia. You could probably say even up to top three. So he's knocked her off over 1,200 metres first up after being gelded. He's then gone to the Doombin 10,000. So he's travelled all the way to Perth. He's then come back to Doombin, and he's come within 0.5 of the length of Giga Kick. He's beaten Mazu home. He's been Aft Cabin, who's who's had a, a boom on him. He's been Miramia, who's a Group One winner. So yeah, you make a really good point. That is go back that's and, a, that is that form is elite. It's elite form. Now his first up record: five starts, two wins, and two seconds. All right, and go back and I think his track and distance records are skewed because of when he was a colt. Or when he was a, a star, um, like a, a horse before he had his nuts removed. Now go back and watch his trial there at Rose Hill on the fifth of September. It was one of the best pieces of work you'll see a horse make. Now Josh Parr took him round the bend. He just cruised up. Now Red Card was in behind him. Now we saw what Red Card did in the last race there at Rose Hill last week. Yep. Um, he just cruised up. Even Josh Parr looked over his shoulder to think where the horses were. Not even challenged. I think this is the best five, six dollar shot going around in Australia. I think the horse will win this race. It'll get an Everest slot, and I think it'll really put itself on the map as being a top ten sprinter here in Australia. Yeah. There's my call. I love that. I like it. It's a good price. Let's get on. Fantastic price. Fantastic barrier. Everything about it says to me that it's a great chance. Now. No doubts in secret. Great horse. Uh, was really good in that that Concord Stakes behind Remark. I thought the horse had its chance to win the race. It may have peaked on its run. I don't know. Now, good second up record, good distance record. I get that, but it is three dollars, and it's got to. It's drawn really nicely, but it's got to get past Overpass. And would you say who's a better horse out of In Secret or Amelia's Jewel? I'd have to say Amelia's Jewel, considering so how little right. weight so, In Secret's carried its whole career. Yeah. So there you go. Now, Remark, I thought he was really good. He sat four wide, won that Concord. He always seems to have a drop-off second up. So his first up record reads six starts, four wins, and a third. His second up record, he's only had one win from five attempts. Yeah, right. Jeez, it was good, though, in that last race. It, it was really good, and I'm, I'm not questioning that. But he always seems to just have that drop-off. Now, Bornes Notches, awesome. Can't fault the horse. Had a, had a really nice trial on the 5th of September just to keep him fit. But go back and look through the form lines of that show county, which put him back on the map. Argenti fa- Argentia failed last week after getting a heap of market support, as did Skylab, as has Colino, as has Extremely Lucky, as has Rocketing Buy. So the form lines coming out of that show county have been pretty atrocious. So I'm, I'm penning him off that. You've then got Private Eye, who is one of those older horses coming back. Now, he does get Nash, and he's trialled quite nicely, but I like Lost and Running's trial better there at the 8th of eighth of September. Uh, Lost and Running, uh, not Lost and Running, Hawaii 5-0. Is he a sprinter? I don't know. Wait and see. Mazu, I think, is the forgotten horse here, but I think this is in his grand final. His grand final has already got an Everest slot, so he'll be there. And then there's just numbers coming down the rest. So... Honestly, I think Overpass is the best bet on the, the Ramwick card. I love that. Really good-looking race, this. And honestly, if I was if, if you want to go um, – if, you, if you're going quaddy numbers, I'd be just chucking four in by itself. But yeah. uh, you could probably go wide if you wanted to. Yeah, that's a tough one. I do like that. I really like that, Overpass. You've talked me into it. Yeah, I love that. Now – 
Just quickly, let's do quaddy numbers for the last two. Nine and ten. Oh, so this Bill Ritchie, I think, is a tough race, but I just think Converge just should be a standout. Okay. I just don't know how. Like, you go through this. These are all handicappers. Alencia is a lay at three dollars twenty uh, ten. If it gets any shorter, I think it's got it's gone. Like, who 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 beats Converge? He's got animo form. Yeah, you're right. Like he's he he ran in a Kingswood Smith Cup, point seven of a length behind um behind. Think about it. He beat home Rothfire, King of Sparta, Shallow, Valana, like proper racehorses. He then go back. He's come within. Uh, you could probably forget his Doncaster run. He's then come within 0. 0.4 of a length of Animo, uh, within two lengths of Artorias. Like it's elite form lines, and I think his trial was very hidden there back at um on the fifth of of September behind Hawaii Five O. Yeah. Okay. All right. So maybe stand him out. Now, if you yeah, I'd stand him out. Now, if you don't want to do that, I'd be doing one three five eight. 10, 14, 16, because if if you don't like Converge, I think any of those horses could win this race. Okay, and what about this last leg? Now, the last leg, it's a good race as well. So I think I haven't done the race in full, but I really, there's a couple of horses I like. I like Cody. I think it's a really good horse. I really like um, Pizarro in this race. Got good first up stats. Um, hasn't won first up. But it's had four starts for three three seconds and a and a third. Has won at the track and trip before, and Azak does have a good distance record. It's just a matter of who's going to be the jockey booking. Um, I also like Cabal. I think it's a really good horse. And then I don't obviously we've got to include Gazablanca if he does get into the field. Okay. All right, done. So uh, around the grounds, you want to have a look at Morfittville race eight? Yeah. So this race is this is. Now, I spoke about um, it being the best bet at Randwick being overpass, but this is probably the best bet on the card if it hasn't been scratched. I'm just having a look now. I think it's been scratched, which really annoys me. No. No, nah, nah, still in the field, thank God. So we go to race eight there at Morfittville over the 1050. Mm-hmm. So there's a horse in this race who I think is going to lead this race up and win it. It's called Anna Jaza. Yep. All right, now we were going to get on this. I, I spoke to you, Corbs and Dano, about this on Wednesday, and we were going to back it at Sandown, and I think it would have won that race. Now, it, it the horse was very, very good there first uh, on its debut over the 1,100 metres there at Ballarat. It actually beat a horse by the name of Molly Nickers, who we put in our black book for the for the 1,000 guineas, which is a group one race. Beat it by half a length, all right? Yeah. It then went straight to the valley in the um, – which obviously is a big opinion of the horse if they're gone there to the to I don't know what our, something stakes race anyway but Brave Mead won that race now go back and watch it the horse uh, Brave Mead obviously demolished them it is starting the market on the weekend there in a group two and then it's obviously trucked to the line really nicely beating the rest of the horses very comfortably so I think the horse's jump out was really nice and I think it's ready to go okay lovely I love that. Um... And now a couple of Friday tips for us. I've actually got quite a heap because it's a, it's a great little meet there at Newcastle. So you've got the Tibby, you've got the Cameron, and then you've got the Newcastle Cup. So the first race I have that I want to tip in, there's a horse by the name of Molly Bloom in Taupo, New Zealand, race six. Oh, okay. All right. So I, I saw a little uh, – I saw a trial on Twitter oh, probably a couple of weeks ago now, and this horse looks – um, like an Oaks filly. So it wouldn't surprise me if you see her pop up over here for an Oaks. Now, she's very short in odds. I think she's about 230. Yeah. But I think if she's going to be winning uh, an Oaks, she's going to need to put away this very weak maiden field. So I think she's a great chance. Lovely. What else you got? Newcastle? Um, she's also in race five there as well. So just wait and see which one she's popping up in. So, okay. in, yeah, so race five or six. Now, she's got a jockey in race five, so one would suggest they're going to scratch her from race six. So go race five. Yep. Uh, there's a horse I really like in Geelong race one called Mikio. Okay. What's the deal with this one? 
So I really like the horse on debut. Clocked some really fast sectionals coming home there at Donald behind Sunsets. I think the step up in trips really good. Ben and JD Hayes are absolutely flying. And I think from barrier four, the horse can sit a little bit more handy and run. And I think it could um could beat these guys. Okay. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, we've got in the park in race five there at um at Newcastle. Yep. All right, I really like it in this race now, and we have this in the black book. So it was very good there at Rose Hill last start in late August. It had that wide barrier and the real pace against it, but it hit the line really nicely. Now, I think the Newcastle track is going to suit it a lot better. It keeps Dylan Gibbons. It's actually drawn really nicely there because I think um, it can kind of blend in and hopefully sit a little bit more handy with Veronelli kind of popping up and glint of silver leading this race. So I think it, it sets it up really nicely and it drops in weight. Yeah. Okay. Jesus, a bit on Friday. Yeah. It's a big race. Um, race six. I've got a black booker in it called Sandstock and I think it's a great chance, but Wollumbai looks the best bet. Um, not the best bet, the best horse in the race. Now Sandstock was really good. First up, I did back it at about thirties, got nutted on the line by Miraview annoyingly now the horse has got a great second up record three from three tommy sherry sticks uh stays at 55 kilos and has a, um an unblemished record over the trip in terms of wins and placing so that four starts for two wins a first second and a third so i think at 10 bucks um and i think it's a good each way play yeah. but i think what i do concede wool and buy if you go back and watch that mona lisa that was won by mirror view wool and buy was finishing very strongly and that was at wyong which is obviously a shorter shorter track well that's awesome man that is a very busy friday and you got the last one in race eight alicia roma which is probably the best bet of the friday card oh jesus yeah no i've done i've did everything to add plenty of time <laughs> that's unreal could be a friday fill up it could be well hopefully it is a friday fill up and they got plenty of cash to drop on um to drop on overpass yeah that sounds like a great plan um all right man well that was awesome thanks for coming on Pleasure. Have a good one. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. See ya.